This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hello and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. My name is Zachary Oliver, the owner and proprietor of the Theology Gaming Blog. And with me today are Justin Fox, Cody Kolbinski, and Ted Loring for a slightly protracted period of time. Now, if you couldn't have guessed, this is one of those introless podcasts, so I had to basically record this intro separately, but the topics at hand are interesting and they arose naturally, so I just kind of let things slide because I'm cool like that. So, without further ado, let's talk about eschatology, charismatic theology, the origins of the universe, uh, agendas, and a bunch of other things. Enjoy. Actually, you want to talk about multi-universe theories, like in Bioshock Infinite and Dragon Ball Z-universe? Whoa, what what inspired that line of questioning? Because literally, like, could there exist another universe? I know that God created only one. But, you know, like, people have been speculating, could there exist another universe? And I'm like, no. Do you but, know there's only one? Yes. How do you know that fact? It's in God's word. Where does it say uh, it? Uh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, uh, like, <laughs> I find, like, two different things in, in the Bible. So I find one where Jesus is like, goes, uh, uh, if not, uh, if I deliver this message when he's basically cussing out the Pharisees, um, like, for real, <laughs> like, like, curses them out. And, um, and he's like, had I delivered this message to Solomon and Gomorrah, they would have repented. Now this is God saying this is God in the flesh saying that, so it's not just idle talk. You know what I mean? So there is a question of how did he know that? Did he know that in you know, as in I know man's heart, or is it that um, I know that because I played this this loop over before time began, and uh, this definitely would have happened because I'm God and I kind of know about that, or is it that you know what what brings about that statement when God Himself makes you know. Had I done this, this would have happened. So, hmm. interesting bit of dialogue that you had with that. It may not mean that at all, though. Because there, there could be multiple universes. We just don't know. Nor would it be relevant or necessary to know that thing. Well, did he also create aliens? Did he also create Bigfoot? Well, technically he did, because we are aliens, in a sense. Uh, explain. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think it was either Paul or Peter that written that we are that, that we are alienated. Well, there's a difference between being an alien, which I would suppose being an extraterrestrial, and being an alien, which means separated from a particular people group or from a different people group. Right, because that um, because any anyone that is uh, using that language, anyone from back in the day. Um, is considered to be an alien. So even if um, that's why you have illegal aliens, but you don't call them aliens anymore because the space people took this. Uh, <laughs> the space people who may or may not exist took that designation. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, um, so that's why that word's been kind of hijacked and, and kind of you know plays up context. But, but at the same time, though, I think that um, uh, you're right. You're right in the sense that um, if you belong to Christ, then you are an alien because now you're part of the kingdom. So your visitors, you know, so your kingdom is uh, is with God and with Christ. So in a sense, you are an alien, you are a foreigner, which is what Paul discusses that you know we're just we're foreigners. We don't belong to this land anymore. We belong to another kingdom, completely mm. separate. 
Hmm. So, yeah. So, but uh, I, 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 it's difficult to um, uh, to really preach that because I think we kind of settled on um, uh, naturalism, even though Jesus was very, very nat natural. <laughs> kind of, kind of, sorta. Well, or maybe, maybe I think I mean I mean sort of arms. Pulling around this with this in my meditation too is that um, that if Jesus was the one consistently talking about like, hey, there's this whole other thing that I belong to that had I be been had we been living in this thing, then you know my my folk would have come and got me and got me out of the situation to begin with you know but because we're not there then then we're talking about the kingdom of God then we're talking about the angels and all top all this supernatural stuff and everything. But really, if we're looking at it from what framework? So we're looking at it from God's framework. It's not really supernatural. It's just natural. Mm. Every people group, every nation, every tribe talks about, okay, here's what's natural. And we know what's natural because we're mostly farmers. So um, <laughs> so we kind of know what natural is because we kind of live in that. But... There's this other element that we don't know what this actually is. So every every nation, although and every tribe has been talking about these things for years. So is it really? We only call it supernatural, I think, because uh, of the uh, of a European, um, yeah, twentieth century yeah, sort of stuff. Right. Exactly. So so therefore, it, I'm from now on. I'm just calling it. Instead of, you know, like me talking to God and then healing somebody at work and all those charismatic things that, you know, that we do and everything we believe, instead of me calling it supernatural, I'm going to call it Tuesday. Mm. <laughs> what a Tuesday. <laughs> yes, on a Tuesday. <laughs> the best day of the week. <laughs> I thought Friday was the best day of the week. Wait, what? Tell me, tell me if you have ever encountered this before in your studies that because you're um, more study than I could go to school for it and everything. Yeah, uh, I went to the school <laughs> and I know more than anybody. <laughs> Surely not. Yeah, don't know, uh, but then. But um, have you ever encountered the four kinds of view on eschatology? Uh, are we talking about millennialisms? Yeah, the, the preterism, the I- idealism. Okay, well, because there's like a bunch of different eschatology things, so the specifics are quite important if we're going to talk about any of them. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, um, preterism meaning um, uh, basically all the things that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 24 already happened because he kind of makes qualifier where he said all these things will happen on this generation. So, um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> So if you take a generation in Hebrew, meaning 40 years, uh, that lands us squarely on the occupation of um, of uh, Rome to the Jewish nation where they pretty much sacked and destroyed everything. And the whole heaven-earth thing falling away, that was all actually um, uh, uh, the temple because it, the Jews believed that the uh, – Temple was linked between heaven and earth. So when heaven and earth falls away, mm-hmm. uh, it's actually talking about the temple, amongst other things. Um, Mark the Beast, meaning that was who, who was the Caesar at that point in time? I forget what his name. Was. Nero. I want to keep on saying Nero, but yeah. it's not. I think it's Nero. At least at the time that Revelation was written, it's certainly Nero. Yeah. Oh. The, mo- yes, definitely Nero because. 
he hated Christians. Right. And, he, and okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. And he and he persecuted a ton of them in, in when he was in his kingdom. And he like let's say he was uh, not the freshest cocoa puff in the cereal box. <laughs> we want to say that. The boy was borderline psychotic. Yeah. I think he was dead by the time Revelation was written, if I had to say anything, but I th- I think uh, yeah, I think it was because of um oh um I think it was by a uh, by a revolution or something. Yeah, he died pretty early. I mean, but it, most of the emperors in that time didn't live very long. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so the whole Mark and the Beast thing was, you know, um, was that you had to actually, you know, burn incense to, to, to Caesar, and then you had to take the ash and mark it on your forehead. Yeah, and not a computer chip in your arm. Right, right. So I had heard that before, but I didn't know that, I didn't know what that was coming from, you know, but it's actually coming from preterism. So it uh, makes a lot more sense than a lot of the things about, you know, well, what we know as futurism. Because that just drove me insane, and then it just. And someone made a really good point in terms of futurism. Like, what type of fruit does it bear? Does it bear fruit that is healthy, or does it bear fruit that's like, you know, laced with uh, fear and, you know, well, <laughs> or wrong? It invites a lot of speculation. Yeah, yeah. It's like everything's going wrong, so now uh, that means that everything is right. I'm telling you, Obama's the beast. <laughs> <laughs> right, so so I'm just kind of wondering if they have taught you any of that in 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 seminary, or that is being taught anymore, or because because when I first encountered it, I was kind of like, now see this right here um, has made a lot more sense than the consistent speculation of historicism and futurism. Yeah, I uh, think the the idea that the things that are said in Revelation are future events can be true in some sense and not in others. I think the reason why people get hung up on stuff is because they think that prophecy inherently means future prediction, which the Bible does not support. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of it is simply declarations of things you guys are doing wrong or calls to social justice or just uh, God telling them, like, I'm going to punish you and this is going to hurt a lot. I think right. I'm in the minor prophets right now, so that's why I'm thinking about it that way. But <laughs> if you read a lot of it, there's not a lot of like in the future, in the year 1987, the rapture will happen. <laughs> right, it's right. It's just and, not and in there. It has to be interpreted into it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Where you know, I, like so much of that that's that's kind of stretched across. You no, know, uh, first. Uh, first and second Thessalonians, you know, it's like we make these little links and everything, you know, and that's what ma- what frustrated me about Revelation so much is the fact that I was like, hey, I'm a pretty smart dude, not like the smartest, but I'm at least have reasonable amount of intelligence. And why is it that this is supposed to be like this huge thing, conglomeration thing of 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 a, of a text when 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 Jesus and 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 these other people made things very very simple and also did you know, uh, prophetic things in terms of, hey, if you don't stop doing this, you're going to all die, and those things happening. So why is it that this thing is so much more different than everything else that, you, that he was talking about? And and it, this really frustrated me for a very, very long time, which is why I never did study eschatology yeah. until I, 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 I came across something that I was like, okay, 
something in my spirit is saying that this is totally wrong because <laughs> because like because I mean, literally, if you, if you look at if you look at futurism in that way, then you literally have to say that when things are going right or going terribly, terribly wrong, that means that things are going right. So you don't do anything. So therefore, we don't <laughs> yeah. do anything. You don't do anything to advance God's kingdom, which is exactly what Satan was in the first place. Yeah, it's a very so, confusing ideology. Yeah, yeah. So I was just kind of wondering if you had um, had, had uh, encountered that before or not, because it's it's. It's not something that is, um, I don't think, very widespread at all and uh, will probably get you beat up depending on what congregation that you go to, depending on their age and, and, uh, and the, the amount of time they've taken into believing this thing because, yeah, I mean, you know how like belief is. It's kind of like, you know, my everything is attached to this one belief instead of Jesus. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. I, I think the first thing you have to do when you're looking at eschatology, revelation, etc., is not necessarily to either place it in its future context or even historical context, is to say, what's the intent of the thing being said? So in Revelation, the intent is not very clear, and I would suppose that the intent is not supposed to be very clear. Sometimes there's the assumption that when I read a part of the Bible, I'm just supposed to perceive and understand it. Like, there's nothing to be... There's nothing to be revealed, or nothing that's mysterious. In the Mm. same way that people are like, well, I got God figured out in one heartbeat, right? And this can be a problematic line of thinking, because if you want to put it in a box like preterism, historicism, futurism, idealism, whatever these eschatological categories, then you kind of remove the idea that perhaps God wanted something to be mysterious and didn't want it to be revealed at this point in time. Yeah, which which we see in Revelation, that he consistently does that, saying that then I saw this, and I said, oh, don't say nothing about this. Yeah, don't exactly, say- right? No snitching, so... <laughs> don't so, tell. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think that they line up uh, but not like an exclusive, you know, claim towards any of them. I think because I mean, some things genuinely haven't happened yet, like the raising of the dead or whatever that means. That has not happened yet, unless yeah. you want to count zombies. So we'll go ahead and put that in futurism, right? No. Yeah. But like flesh on dry <laughs> bones, uh, lion laying with the lamb. Are these metaphorical? Are these real? We don't know. Right. Right. So, um, so a lot of things are are, are clear. Um, a, a lot of it, though, I think I was very comfortable with um, uh, it being lined up with uh. Uh, scripture that was talking about um, what was going to happen. Because what, from what I understand, there was no Christian in Jerusalem before it got sacked by Rome. There was no Christian that actually died there. A lot of the Jews did because, you know, they had this beast uh, that Jesus was warning about that was like, um, go ahead and um, I'm God and um, go ahead and make an offering to me uh, with your vats of food and everything that you could have lived on for about three three months or three years or whatever. And and um, you just go ahead and give that to me, so that when Rome, so so they went ahead and did that. Even though Jesus is kind of like, don't do that. Um, in seventy A.D., I believe. Yes, in seventy A.D. Exactly. So, oh, which, Ted. Hello. Hello, Ted. Hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I'm jumping in on something deep and heavy, so I thought I would act like I was contributing. <laughs> I, I I I can dig it. Um, but um, I mean that's one, and that's exactly one generation. So you know, like. This stuff is happening from what I understand that historically that no Christian was uh, was was 
died in that siege because they saw the guy, the des- you know, the the um, uh, the abomination that caused the desolation. They saw the guy saying, "I'm God in the temple," and they're like, "Oh, that's the sign." Hard deuce. Hard deuce. <laughs> oh, the <laughs> the abomination of desolation is originally in Daniel, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that if okay, so just to distinguish here. There's two views that Daniel was actually written during the Babylonian exile period and also one that it was written during 200 during the time of the Maccabean rebellion, right? So if you take that view, then, um, then the abomination of desolation for the, is the Maccabean thing is that it was that, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, the fourth, the fourth. Thank yeah, I you. know. I don't know how I know that off the top of my head, but <laughs> <laughs> he basically uh, knocked down like the Jews' uh, sacrificial places and basically installed statues of Zeus there, and said you have to like worship him. <laughs> and uh, it's supposedly a reference to that. Now, is it actually a reference to that? It could be either way. We don't know, but it actually parts of Revelation do take parts of prophecy from other books in the Bible, and then adds new things on top of them, including the mysterious passages where we don't know what something's supposed to refer to. Like Star of Wormwood, which is Lavos, obviously. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I gotta relate to video games somehow. Oh, yeah! Game uh, game Theory did a... um, They did did that, didn't they? They did a theory on Chrono Trigger being like like revelation or whatever. Yeah, kind of. Eh, you know, it could have sort of. It's not impossible. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny though, but um, but yeah, like uh, I think like um, the, well, the Jews don't necessarily believe in an end. Also, so I think they believe in cycles as well. Because you know, farmers season. Uh, it you depends know? on whether you were a Sadducee or a Pharisee. Mm. Um, yeah. Ooh. So Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead. Right. And the Sadducees did not. Right. Which is what makes Jesus in all technicality a Pharisee by theology and teaching. I agree. That's why they call him teacher and other such things. Yeah. Because in technicality, he was preaching the same things just with different qualifications to them. Mm-hmm. So when he calls out Pharisees on certain interpretations of biblical passages in the old law and whatnot, he has the authority to do that because he teaches in the same way that they did. Does that make sense? True. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's a good detail. Yeah, so the Pharisees technically aren't wrong. It's just that Jesus is the new revelation of what those laws really meant because, well, he's God after all. Right, 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 and that's what he was talking about in terms of the um, the the end of the of the era, the end of the age. Because yeah. when Rome when Rome came by and destroyed their priestly lines, they destroyed absolutely. They, they, there was no getting back to the Mosaic covenant or law. There was no getting back to that anymore. So that's what Jesus was talking about: that being that end of that age, to be in that era that all that stuff was going to be was was completely annihilated and still is. Speaking of eschatology, does anybody remember what team you're supposed to play on Tech Mobile that has Bo Jackson on it? Who <laughs> is Bo Jackson? Bo, you know, Jackson Bo, knows football. Bo Jackson Bo Jackson is a football player and a baseball player. He actually did a two-in-one uh, with Nike, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was also in a cartoon series with him, Wayne Gretzky, and Michael Jordan. 
Yeah. They went on adventures using their sports skills. I think it's Los Angeles, and I Los only An- know okay. that because I Googled it. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm picking Los Angeles, then. I'm playing a little Tekken Bowl while you guys are talking. and So now continue. I, I, Bo Jackson does have a lot to do with eschatology, so I'm glad that we got that out. Go ahead. He will be the arbiter of the end time. <laughs> <laughs> and when a runner comes who can defeat every defender and he's make the, a touchdown every time, he's thus the beast shall with it be seven so. Heads. I didn't hear where I got killed, obviously, so I don't know. <laughs> you don't know who Bo Jackson is? Man, you don't know nothing. Bo knows. That's what's important. <laughs> Believe. <laughs> I just made a touchdown off the kickoff with wow. Los Angeles. So, <laughs> so I like this guy. Clearly, your choice was blessed. <laughs> hey, by the way, you said if Jesus is God, that makes us some kind of expert on eschatology. Yeah. Is that is that true? I would say yes. Okay. All right. I would say that God is an expert on it, and we are not. <laughs> eschatology is a way to... Make something understandable in a framework that God didn't set up. Yeah. Also, it means, like, just relax, man. God's got it under control. Yeah. That's the kind of the long and the short of it. Maybe it was your fan the whole time, Ted. Um, I don't know how my battery-operated op- fan would affect you at your home in hey, hey, uh, hey, Texas I, I or something. I forget. I'm blaming white people for my problems, all right? It doesn't matter if it makes sense or not. We're just going to get blamed Listen, for it, okay? you got to let that go, okay? No, I'm let it go. Oppression, <laughs> victim, it's all bad. It's your fault. You did it. Don't make, <laughs> don't me, don't make me sing Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> let it throw. I feel a song. Let me hear it. <laughs> The snow blows cold on a mountainside, not a footprint to be seen. Yeah, it's like, this, that's such a goth song. There's not a snow f- footprint in the snow. I'm so alone. Did I mention my disdain for Frozen at any point? No, let's talk about it. Is there a game about it? Because then, then we'd really tie it in. No, there's no game about it. But mm. I didn't Thank like God. that movie. Really? Well, I liked it, but I just... The thing is, I think it's overhyped. That's the thing. Uh, I think it's a good movie that is inconsistent with its themes. Does that make sense? I guess. So, yeah. Okay. It it kind of sets it up like it's going to be a fairy tale traditional kind of story, right? Mm-hmm. Where the guy gets the girl, kind of, sort of, and then they were like, ha, 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 we're so subversive. The sisters love each other. That's true love. Yeah, I, 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 didn't, I didn't mind that though. I, I thought that was great. I thought those whole point was to subvert the viewer to thinking that hey, you think it's going in this direction, but it's not. That's why people liked it. That's why I liked it. But the so thing, yeah, cheap. yeah. The thing is, but what? Well, the thing is, family is more important than marriage. That, I think that was the overall theme. Family is I, more important than marriage. I think you guys are just trying way too hard. Yeah, stop trying to justify this movie and its feminist agenda. <laughs> Wait a second, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't you mean fem-Nazi? No, I just mean feminist. It's a feminist movie? I didn't yeah, know that. Now i got to watch it with new eyes. pro-woman movie. And then, like, here's um, this, here's this no, guy, oh, right? I'm talking about Frozen stuff. Here's this man, Kristoff, right? 
He helps. Which one is he? The one with the pet moose? Yeah, he helps her all through the movie, and then what happens? Get out of here. Sisters love each other. <laughs> Don't they get married and stuff at the end? They, no, they do. I think they do. No, but they just date. What? Yeah, me and you. Yeah, and he's they they aren't even allowed to kiss basically, and he's like, uh, it's like the woman's like, it's my turn to tell you whether you kiss me. You know what I mean? It's weird. Boy, I sure don't remember that movie very well. No, dude. you do not. <laughs> but there was like some guy that talked to a moose or something. I remember that. I've only, I, I think I've only I think, seen it once, so yeah. I don't think it has conflicting themes. I think it, it set out what it was meant to do, which was to prove that you know men are dumb or whatever it is. So yeah, yeah I, men are really I, dumb. That's what I remember from the movie. What? I didn't pick up on any of this stuff. What? Neither did I. I think I, you're what just... I what I thought, you know, what I thought of in 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 the movie was more of the Dante's Inferno perspective uh, that Elsa had. Elsa. You're gonna have to Elsa explain the, that one because is Elsa the cold one? I forget. Yeah, yeah Elsa is the one with the supernatural powers. Oh, okay, okay. And I relate her to Dante, how she's going through the twelve, you know, she how she's going through the different infernos, or in this case, the different, I don't know, it, the coldos. <laughs> Cold- I'm confused. I've read Dante's Inferno in its entirety. I'm not, I'm not quite getting the connection here. <laughs> like she's going through the different stages of hell. I think that's what I think. You know, in order to truly understand her purpose. Well, I don't. Remember the part where they were boiling in vats of their own blood and the Pope was being dunked into it upside down with his butt hanging out? Well, clearly you didn't stay till after the credits. I mean, like clearly I missed this part. I saw that scene. Yeah, man. I remember that one. It was a hidden frame. Everybody knows. Let it Pope. Let it Pope. Into the vat you go. Yeah, and then the devils like poke their bums. What in the world are we talking about yeah, yeah, tonight? No, this is actually in the book. We're talking about okay. bumps. What we're talking That's about in Dante's Inferno. Yeah. Okay. Now I've heard. I've heard the testimony. I don't know if you ever. Um, have you ever like listened to like the crazy, <laughs> the crazy, the crazy Satan the, like munches on people's heads and it's no, weird. No, no, I mean, there there are books like that, but the craziest book ever, I think, is this book called um, Fifty Shades of Grey, Baptized in Blazing Fire. Baptized in Blazing Fire. So it's about this church um, and its members who um, who like pray and fast for about 40 days. Then all this stuff begins to happen. And then the, the, the insanity then begins. And it's the craziest thing you will ever read in your entire life. I, I guarantee it. I'm like, better than Dante's Inferno? I don't think yeah, that's yeah. Dante's Inferno. <laughs> No, no, no. It's like it's like Donnie's Inferno, Inferno, but they're saying it's real, <laughs> and and they walk you through it, and they share visions and all that stuff. But it's a church thing. But but yeah, it's 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 somewhere in the Koreans. Maybe I'm just sexy. Maybe. Oh, maybe. Anyway, those kind of books always are like. How do I want to say this? <laughs> they are imagery that is taken from other things that have been passed down in our culture for generations. Like, why Jesus? And that imagery gets manifested into, like, vision quests and stuff right. like that. It's right. kind of like the same way, let's... 
Okay, so let's say you're part of a Native American tribe, right? And to become a man, they send you on this vision quest, right? So you're supposed to meet the Great Eagle Spirit once you, uh, you know, starve yourself for several days. You know what? Anybody who starves themselves for, like, a week straight is going to have hallucinations. Sure, sure. And so when you get there, it's like, oh, I see the Great Eagle Spirit. You don't want to know why? Because everybody in my family told me I was going to see the Great Eagle Spirit. It's very suggestive reasoning. And that's the reason why those books don't have much... Self-fulfilling prophecy and stuff? Yeah, so to speak. (sighs) Right. So... So I think though, um, uh, <laughs> going along with that though, I think uh, there is that question of can is is your imagination like if your if your imagination is like a projection in that can something manipulate that projection or not? So that's kind of the question. So if we say things like you know um, Satan tempted me with or. I'm saying Satan as in his faculties, as in, you know, like Hitler did, Hitler killed all the Jews. Like, no, he didn't. There was this guy and this guy and this guy killed him, but we're, we're putting Hitler as, as the, as the head of it. So yeah, he's the cause, it, even though right, technically a bunch of other people he delegated duties to did it. Right, right. Exactly. So if we can say Satan tempts through, uh, sometimes visions, we see that happening with, um, uh, with the temptation of Christ. We see these things happening and everything. Can God use, can God also, if you allow him, use the same projection to project something that he wants you to see um, that, you know, something that he wants you to see? Now, I don't know if he uses um, uh, visions in terms of, you know, stuff that we've experienced or seen in order for us to understand, or use something completely different that we're taking a look at in, in that regard. So, I don't know. It's 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 kind of that question of you know, if we allow, what kind of who who can do stuff to the projector? Can can we do something to the projector and, and project our image, or can a can a spirit can, or can God do the same thing? So I think all three of them are are correct. It's just that kind of like, you know, which one is it? That's kind of the tricky part, I guess. I think mm. those things have to be collaborative. So, like, in the same way that Paul says that uh, tongues are kind of useless unless you have someone to interpret them, mm-hmm. is that uh, these kinds of visions and things are kind of useless unless somebody has the ability, or at least the congregation has some kind of inclination as to how to interpret those. Yeah, and I think, um, and that's what Paul talks about, too, also, in terms of maturity. Basically, you're saying that you're doing this thing, these things alone is uh, immature. Yeah. And that maturity is when you actually are coming together as a body, as in, you know, when Zach is hurt or whatever, you know, like, I feel Zach's pain and I want to help him out and that's my brother because that's, that's a part of my body. Ouch. You know, so, so, oh my God! So, um, <laughs> so, um, I'm thinking the same way in terms of visions and interpretation of visions, I think is this very, very valid to, to desire that. So, like, um, so for example, like I said, I'm, I'm now I'm charismatic. So, whatever that means. I just think I'm normal. <laughs> you know? So, we, Zach and I were having this conversation before. It's like, I'm just normal. It's just Tuesday. But um, uh, there's a group that we go to, and we, when someone new comes along, we speak prophecy over that person or a word of knowledge over that person. And so, as we're going around, the, so as we just shut up for a minute and just listen to what God's saying, we're getting different images 
but we're hitting on the exact same things continuously without knowing that person. And some people have like you know greater details, like um, like uh, my buddies was like you know, I'm getting a motorcycle. Is that does that mean anything to you? It's like yeah, I used to drive motorcycles for years. You know, you know what I'm saying. And so like so, but it was still in the same message um in terms of what what personality was like and everything you know. And, and so by the time they left, my my buddy overheard them saying that. That was really amazing, and it was so doggone accurate too. Uh, and I experienced that personally too, which made me a believer in that in the first place too. So, but the whole point was that everyone in the room was listening to God, but at the same time getting the same information in different forms about this person that we didn't know. Mm. And that's what gave it clarity and power, and that's what made it, you know, really, really something special. Because when you have, because um, the, the guy who one of the guy who hosted. He's like, if I was getting, if we were all getting different visions that meant different things all the time, I would tell everyone to stop. Like, stop. Someone's in the wrong spirit. We need to go ahead and hit the reset button or whatever. So I, th- I still, I, th- I think, I think you're right in, in that, Zach. That definitely, you know, it's it's a collaborative effort. Yeah. If it was to, ha- if it is to happen, then it can't be kind of a singular thing. Because I remember there was like a kid in my high school class and he's like I speak tongues to myself in my room and it's like that's kind of weird <laughs> I mean any cursory reading of scripture will tell you it's supposed to be for the edification of the church primarily and not for just yourself to do whatever yeah I mean sometimes I mean I will pr- I would get the inclination to pray in tongues but I never do it around anybody because what's it doing <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like wait a I'm, second. <laughs> like, so okay. you're, so you're, speaking tongues is only beneficial if uh, if other people are there. I, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of putting a rule or a limit on something that I I don't know is necessarily there. <sighs> well, I mean, like I said, um, for me, I usually don't because, like I said, it causes so much controversy and everything. You know, I need to know who I'm around and if they're mature enough to actually interpret it or not. Um. So it's just like a personal rule that I have because people I've noticed this people get really freaked out about tongues and and then they kinda of get into those people, then they kinda of shut down and everything. It's like a it's like a real process. Like it, Yeah, it, it is interesting since it's uh you know, such a really a minor gift in terms of Yeah, I think that's you know more of Paul's point was that, you know, it says like thing it says or it kind of implies in like First Corinthians somewhere that like all these spiritual gifts will pass away at some point. Like yeah, that's they, thirteen. Yeah. Chapter thirteen. I think. Okay, yeah, there you go. The great love chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you love hear is the weddings than things, and you know, yeah. it's like, without love, it's a clashing symbol. Yeah, or just yeah, and yeah. now I abide, and now I abide in faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. There you go. And so that's kind of you the may, point. You may kiss the bride. Is <laughs> that you know? It's oh, like here um, we go. Here we go. First Corinthians fourteen twenty seven through twenty eight. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Yeah, in church in a service. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, just that specific. That's that's where I get mine. But. <laughs> right, and he's given rules for an orderly worship service there. I think so. I mean, I don't know in terms of personal, personal, yeah. uh, you know, worship and experience and prayer. I, d- I just don't think it's necessarily a restriction to say, 
uh, you know, don't do it. But because I just, like I said, for me, I personally, you know, in my spirit, sometimes I will get the uh, the impulse almost, you know, to uh, rain a tongue. Now, I think that uh, I think that, you know, at the same time, too, that um, like if you're praying over somebody, you know, or if you're trying to cast something out of somebody. Um, that you're praying in the spirit, and so therefore you need to use actual words for intentional purposes. So it's like, so like you know, someone has addiction to whatever you know. You say you know, in the name of, in the name of Jesus, I cast out the spirit of addiction or whatever it may be. Get out and stay out. You need to command that rather than speaking another tongue. Is it possible? I guess maybe. I don't know. I haven't tried that yet before. But you know, there there is um, there's that power of life and death in the tongue, and what you declare. But you, um, yeah, what you declare means an awful lot in this world and the spiritual world too. So I, I think it's very important to really grasp hold of you know you what you say really does matter, and what you say like if you say something along the lines of you know, um, and you mean it, you know, it's like Zach can never go amount to anything. Now, if Zach receives that, then at that point in time, he is co-signed with a spiritual force of, you know, maybe failure or depression or whatever it is, you know, he's like giving them free, free reign to enter into his life because of the fact that he agreed with that. So wait, so, Justin, are you charismatic now? Is this what's happening? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I, so is yeah, this like a transition phase? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Um, um, this happened maybe about uh, probably November. Um I'm just curious because it sounds different than things you said before. It does. It should. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure. I'm like, this sounds an awful lot like something different. Yeah, it's not like was said before. <laughs> but uh, I mean, like Zach already knows that I'm a. Uh, I was a very theologically rip- driven guy, you know. So I mean, we have co- conversations like this, you know, um, from, from time to time and everything, you know. But um, it was when I just allowed God to do what He wanted to do. And then I um, uh, received what people would call the baptism in fire. But then again, it's we won't get to the technicalities of that. It may be the more uh, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you know, whatever. But um, I compared I compared to this is like being Christian, getting saved when I received the Holy Spirit. Because that's about that in I think John. Oh, I don't want to misquote it. I think maybe like John twenty twenty or Matthew twenty twenty, where it says that Jesus breathed on the disciples. And they received the Holy Spirit. And then we see them waiting in the upper room for the Holy Spirit. What? So so we had these two different kind of baptisms in there. And it's kind of like, well, that's interesting. But anyway, um, um, so when that happened, it was like being Christian, when I got saved, my eyes were open. It was kind of like stepping out of the Matrix, you know. Okay, now I'm all part of the Matrix. And now I'm going to go back into the Matrix to get other people out of the Matrix, you know, that, that kind of mentality. But, like, when I got baptized in, the, in, in fire, it was like, now I'm Neo and I see the code now. It was, it was that kind of experience. So, like, now I see the code. I see what is comprised of the Matrix. So, now at this point in time, I can go into it and, you know, step into the quote-unquote supernatural and have an easier time with that, I guess. So, um, when that happened and I began to experience uh, people who I was very skeptical of at first, and then he kind of, you know, did things like prophecies or actually did heal me or actually healed them and everything in Jesus' name. Uh, that was the big uh, Your Gmail account. So, so yeah, Zach, that's, that's what happened to me. Um, <laughs> okay. That. 
so so it's not anything where you know it was like I've never seen it before. I'm gonna believe it either. I've never seen it before. By God, it's like no, actually, you have seen it. Experience to it now. But yeah, that um, that's okay. That's, okay, that's, I didn't know. I would just um, it was just like, huh? This sounds new. Yes, it 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 is, and it's really really wonderful, and it's really exciting. It's a lot of fun too, because it's like you know when I'm at work now, I'm kind of like. Yeah. Someone coming retired or like you know, my wrist hurts so bad. Like, let me see that. <laughs> yeah, this is more Josh's scene than mine, but no, no, I understand. Yeah, I didn't know that Josh was charismatic too. I didn't know that, so I was really happy to hear that personally yeah. too. So charismatic. Yep. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun though, because you know, and, and and a lot of the things that they teach you about, you know, doing that is like get to pray for forty five minutes of warm prayer. Like, no, you don't. You're in and out like a robbery. In Jesus' name, let this be healed. In Jesus' name, cast it out. Then you're done. Five seconds. <laughs> the but the thing is, don't you have to have like, um, uh, like, like for for those who are like new Christians who don't even understand the concept, don't don't they have to have like faith in little things before they do the before they have faith in like huge the largest things like to move mountains and stuff like that? Sure, sure. I mean, I, I mean, it's the it's the prayer of faith is what does it. So, um. So sometimes, you know, for example, let me put, let me put my shirt on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's but, um, he's just so taken with his with his new ideas that he just has no shirt on. <laughs> nah, it's not that at all. But get um, some hot. I'm glad this is not a video call. You're actually Mr. sir. So interesting. But like, you had to. It, it's it's all. I mean, Christ has always been responding to faith. That's been and God's been always been responding to faith. He just Absolutely. loves it, loves it, loves it, loves it. You know, you believe me? Great, we're in. So it's it's it is a matter of uh, of uh, believing in those smaller things. You know, so it's kind of like you know we can't detach ourselves from the supernatural because we can't because then after that we had to start saying that you know Jesus was kind of ignorant, and didn't understand like mental health issues when he started you know casting things out of people. It's like, oh, well, Jesus didn't really understand. It wasn't a spirit. It was just a mental disorder. That's all, you know. So, but, you know, <laughs> I think we have to, you know, kind of, you know, give God his credit in saying that, um, no, maybe you have it wrong. Maybe it's, it is something spiritually um, influenced in that it can get better once you do these things that I'm asking you to do yeah. uh, in my So um, that's where it starts out. But the main thing really is to, as encouragement is that, it's just about, you know, I just use the creator's name in a sentence. So if, if I'm saying something in, <clears throat> in Jesus' name under his authority, which is under um, Luke 10 and also um, Matthew 10, 1, if I'm using that same authority that he said that he gave us, I'm using that, then by God, something is going to happen. Like something is going to happen. Now, Sometimes you can miss your target, so I might pray over somebody, and nothing will happen. Miss your and, target. That's and another and another and another thing is um, with 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 the thing of uh, answering prayer. He can answer it within an instant, or it could take three to four days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or perhaps I mean, a long term than that. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so but there's there's difference between like praying and commanding. So if we're trying to do the thing where we're saying we want to be like Christ, Christ didn't really pray over spirits or he didn't pray for healing. He commanded it. There's a difference. 
So, yes, pray, absolutely, keep on praying and everything, but understand the difference between um, what it is that you're doing. Are you commanding this healing to happen in Jesus' name right now, right in front of me, or am I going to be praying for this uh, for this event or this whatever it may be? So it's, it's kind of like, you know, you have to make sure that you're, you know, putting the right hat on almost, you know, in terms of spiritual things. But I guess the encouragement I was trying to say was that, um, is, is that when you, if, if you miss the target, it doesn't mean that God didn't, didn't work. <laughs> God didn't work, you know. It's, it's not that. It's just that, you know, if someone has a problem with their knee, for example, or whatever, you, know, you can play, you can play, you can um, say that, you know, be healed, and then, like, nothing happens. And so then I go to see whether or not it's a spiritual problem in terms of, you know, a demonic force attacking that person because they're called tormentors for a reason. They kind of suck. <laughs> 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 so then is when you go ahead and um, cast out a spirit that may be in the knee. So the knee um, uh, may need to be – that spirit may be cast out of that knee or the spirit of arthritis or inherited arthritis need to be cast out first before you can actually operate on that knee. So then sometimes so when I cast a spirit out, then after that is when I can start healing from, from that point on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, – it's not as mystical and magical as um, I think most um, Pentecostals will want you to believe. It's very, very practical and very simple, and um, it just requires you to have the faith to actually step out and do it and make yourself look sillier or whatever it may be. But just take cover in the fact that uh, I just use God's name in a sentence and a command, and something is going to ha- is, is happening now, or I have missed the target. But something has happened. Power has gone out absolutely 10 times out of 10 and we had nothing to say after that <laughs> yeah i have nothing to say nope. yeah, I'll up with that, right? <laughs> i think my skepticism of uh, charismatic stuff is dope <laughs> it's not that uh, i don't believe it can happen it's just in my experience and understanding of stuff just it's never been my thing so <laughs> well I, I, I think i think it's just like i mean like i said um it's right with you you know, with that, absolutely. So, like, me being charismatic now is like you being charismatic now, Zach. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm not charismatic. I can tell you that much. Just uh, yeah, I, hear, I hear, I hear a car engine. Oh, that's me. That's me. I'm getting in my car now, driving off. So you might lose a signal in a second. Um, <laughs> and then the podcast will be over. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think once um someone. Uh, in a mature fashion, uh, who actually, you know, can minister to that without, you know, weak theology and and and, and all those things, you know, and uh, just kind of show you like, look, this is something that you want you to have because what one of the problems with you know um, with uh, uh, saying that he doesn't want you to have that is that like, okay, the whole, you know, Jesus dying on the cross. Notice this this event that happened at Pentecost um, that you know gave these crazy Christians you know this this thing where this agency where he wanted us to heal and to cast out and that's what it says in Matthew ten also and and also in Luke uh, ten seventeen and and, the, and several other places too um, this is the original deal he wanted us to have in the first place you know it, it goes back even to uh, even um, What's happening from the beginning, and also what was wanting to, what God was wanting to do in Mount Sinai, where, um, but the people were kind of like, um, 
Moses, can you just go ahead and like have the God person be quiet and just give us some laws and then we'll be happy? Um, <laughs> so that kind of brought about things like wrath and, you know, the things that God, you know, didn't, didn't necessarily want to happen in the first place. But that's what we asked for. So therefore, it's kind of like the whole thing with, with Saul. It's like, it's like, uh, I'm your king, right? And he's like, oh, God, no, we want a pretty white person to do it. No, he didn't want a white person. But still, like, you know, we want someone tall and handsome to be to be our king. And so he's like, yeah, this is going to end well for you. So, but. <laughs> but okay. Uh, um, I want to, I want to say something. Um, it was, it was on Sunday. Uh, uh, it was a week after our pastor retired. Uh, our youth pastor, Brad, was giving a sermon uh, uh, on, uh, to the, uh, it was, it was, to everyone, but it was mainly targeted toward the graduates uh, who were graduating from high school, and and he said he said, and I quote, "Man, I really hate making fun of the uh, ma- making fun of of Israelites because they, you know, they because uh, they go worship God and they go, oh, I like this over here, and then they just go away from God." And then and then they send it, and then God sends a judge and then uh, they worship God and then the Israelites worship God again and they and they go oh but I like this over here and then he laughs at them and says ah oh, they're, they're just poor they're just poor people and and then and, and then I look at the mirror and I see myself and I'm like hmm yeah I, I, I heard I heard you but I was uh, I was wondering what you're relating it to I guess in terms of what I, what, what I, I had said like, I was I was relating I was relating it to you know. The Jews being very, very. Um, I was relaying it to the Israelites being very um, demanding. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and 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 you know, I never, I never hate on the. I try not to hate on the Israelites because uh, we do the same crap. So I, I, I don't see much difference between what the foolishness that they did and the foolishness that we do. I just don't see the much difference between it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So. So. Um, but. Um, um, so there is those agencies in terms of you know what God originally wanted to begin with. This is what He wanted. What He wanted was what we have now. And, he, and if you think about it this way too, in terms of uh, Jesus wanting something specific, I mean, okay, so Jesus is saying that I don't do anything except for the will of my Father. Okay, so Jesus is doing stuff, doing these miracles, saying that you know I do these things so that you know that I come from you know from heaven or from the Father and things like that, you know. He's saying that I'm doing that because of that. But the miracles he did were so specific, if you think about it, because God has all options. So he has all options to do whatever he wants. So he could have revealed himself through things like, um, he could have split another sea in half. He could have um, sit down some world, some fiery whirlwinds and everything. He could have done a whole bunch of different things. But what did he choose to do? He chose to show himself by casting out evil spirits and healing the sick of all, healing every disease and sickness. Like that's huge. He 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 could he had the option to do all these other things, but he chose to do that, and that's be expressed in God's will. So it's kind of like there's a question that that follows of you know was it God's will for people to be sick if he if his son is the one that's going around healing everybody. You know, if, if 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 it was like God's will for these people just to be sick, then mm-hmm. when we're not healing people, then that means that Jesus is completely out of line with God 
and that therefore could not be a son the way that he was saying that he was, and now and a whole lot of problems fall from there. So, if that is what he's commissioned us to do as part of the Great Commission, then that's what he's wanting us to do. So, I guess my encouragement is that um, is to just kind of have that conversation with the Lord about about those things. You know, I think it's I think it's uh, the appropriate response is to it's to not have a God that is only in pages, but one that is continually doing something new. Hmm. Well, uh, uh, clearly you are not a cessationist. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not anymore. Not anymore. I've, I've um, uh, like I said, it, it's me being, me being charismatic now is like you. <laughs> being charismatic now. I mean, I've seen so much of it. I've seen, um, uh, documentaries on like the, the Kundalini energy. Have you seen that one before? I don't know if you've seen that one before or not, but like, Basically, it talks about uh, like pagan religions speaking in tongues and things like that, you know. And so I'm kind of like, well, speaking in tongues is the devil. So, you know, um, but Paul addresses that also in the Bible. He talks about how in, in First Corinthians 12, he talks about how, uh, um, hey, we do these things sober because the pagans would do, they would also speak in tongues, so that they would do it um, while they were high or drunk or dry. That's drunk and high at the same time. Um, so um, they would do the same type of thing. So, you know what, what's so special about what, about when we speak in the tongues or whatever you know, and that is that we do it sober, and that's why the people who were outside on day of Pentecost were like, um, they're already drunk. Look at them. It's like, bruh, it's like nine o'clock in the morning. Like, stop. <laughs> you know. So, um, so, uh, yeah. Um, um, I, I, it's it's hard to find Zach. It's hard. It's really hard to find. Um people who have their proper theology and uh, float in the gifts and everything and float have the been there. <laughs> it's really hard to find. I'm not even yeah. going front. That's why I'm just like, instead of going through all that, just, just talk to God about it. Just have a little A-B conversation and see what he's saying about it. That, that's just my encouragement overall, dude. <laughs> I think it's because most people would say that First Corinthians like 13 is very straightforward about how it seems to view tongues, prophecy, and knowledge and such. I mean, there is the idea that the first century church was basically experienced the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit, and it was supposed to be done because the New Testament wasn't complete yet. And then once you had this full revelation that God wanted the church to have, then the gifts themselves ceased in terms of being active purveyors of the gospel message. Because what happened yeah. is already recorded. So cessationism what? is basically that. Obviously, there's yeah. different complexities and such. I, I, yeah, I remember. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. I remember. So I know exactly what you're talking about and believe the exact same thing, you know, for for, for a long time. But at the same time, First Corinthians does not give a specified time limit on it. That's something that's injected by uh, by people. So, so, so what, this is what can happen a lot of times. I don't think it's constructed so much as people are kind of looking at the historical evidence that surrounds the church after the, mm-hmm. you know, original thing. So let's say like uh, 90 AD or so, you got Clement of Rome who was discussing spiritual problems in the church, right? And mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. writes about Corinth and the church at Corinth, and they don't talk about tongues at all, even though that's kind of the place where they're commonly used in the Bible. So there is a historical narrative that could be constructed that supports cessationism, whereas continuationism kind of has problems in that regard. 
I think the um, I think it's one of the type of things where it's, it's, it matches up with like preterism also. So, for example, no one talked about preterism um, or it being a term as defined as that until like the 1830s. So, because everyone was kind of like, well, duh. <laughs> of course, this means this. You know, it was only after um, after like people like um, uh, not Darby. It may have been Darby, but they started to to, to weave that narrative of futurism and things like that. So it was kind of one of the type of things where it's like almost where the um, uh, the Bible itself was kind of written in shorthand. It's like, do I need to put down information that everybody already knows about? The question was like, apparently no, because when you look at what the um, what the Jews would expound on with the oral law and things like that, or the oral traditions. Um, they weren't specifically written in the uh, the Torah and the Tanakh. They were just, you know, common knowledge. So um, it's the omission of it does not mean that um, there was the omission of the gifts also. So it could be just one type of things where it's just um, there, like, yeah, we, 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 we do these things. Um, we, we heal these people. And that's what, from what I understand, though, too, it's like that's one of the things that Constantine was really, you know um, – I guess ecstatic about in terms of um, in terms of narratives, like yeah, they actually do do good work. I don't know how they do it, but they actually do do good work. You know, so healings are going on or whatever's going on. So, yeah. um, and perhaps I, you know what? Perhaps cessationism and continuationism are just opposite opposite extreme sides, and there is a more moderate position to be had that isn't so dramatic. Because I think a, yeah. the way that a lot of charismatics end up going is that they get very. Um, hyped up yeah do you know what i mean yeah. like, yes it becomes yeah. like christianity is exciting again yay that kind of thing yeah. <laughs> uh, right yeah. right yeah and it ends up being more of a performance art and you know snake handling and that kind of stuff well, right right and that's what um that's what that's, i would say uh, that's i'm not i'm not happy about that <laughs> yes yes I, and, and Zach, to this day, I'm still not happy about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I got bit. I got bit by a poisonous snake. You know, God's going to heal me now because I did something stupid. Yeah, Excellent. yeah, oh, yeah. That's 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 silly. So, um, so I'm still saying that now. And and even the people that I, that I'm around now that are quite mature in that, um, you know, these are guys like 60, 70 years old and everything. But they're not like, you know. Throwing, throwing snakes at people. They're, they're none of those type of guys, you know. They're, they're none of those guys. They're just kind of like they're like the guy actually um, scolded us. He's like, no long prayers. Oh, you don't need to God. shout. He's, he's like, you don't need to shout. You don't need to because um, uh, you don't need to shout because the demons are not deaf. <laughs> they hear you just fine. <laughs> and he also said, you know, what you need to do is when you pray over somebody, be in there, be in and out of there like five seconds. The little, the little short little prayer. And then you need to check and see, do something you couldn't do before. Because if you're having these long prayers, you're drawing it out, and that person wants to go. So it's like 10 seconds in and out. So if I were to heal you, then I'd say, okay, how do you feel? Do something you couldn't do before. And so they might do something, you know, they might touch their, their backs hurting, and they might touch their toes or whatever, you know. It's like, okay. Yeah. The, effic- <laughs> the efficacy of the prayer is not determined by its length. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So we're on the same page. You're just looking for the real deal rather than this fake garbage. So um, I'm not going to say it's all fake, but, you know. <laughs> oh, ooh, <laughs> man. But, but, um, um, but, you know, and then give like uh, ask them, you know, what percentage is this? Is, is this better? Is it 25 percent, 50 percent or whatever it may be? And then, you know, it's like be in beyond with me. And so when I do that, they'll be like, OK, it's about 25 percent. 
Now go over it, heal, heal him again, and, and then go over it again. Jesus' name, whatever needs to happen, or I'll be listening to God in terms of, you know, what do I need to pinpoint now? What do I need to aim at and pull the trigger at now? And so I'll pray over those things, and then it's like getting 50% better, 50% better, 50% better. Okay, now it's 65% better. Now it's 80 and it climbs from there, you know. But sometimes, though, I mean, you might have the faith to where, you know, it's just that instantaneous, you know, 100% first time, you know. So, um, and, and that happens. Um, so it's, it's, I guess, you know, Zach, for people like you and I, we're looking for the practicality behind it. And, uh, and, uh, Matt seeing a bunch of people jumping around and slapping upside the head with oil and, <laughs> and things like that, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and, and falling out into convulsions and things like that. I'm like, um, guys, I got an order. Um, so I'm not quite sure about all of these things that you're doing here. No, um, this is the Holy Spirit. Weird uh, stuff happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah order. Uh, Shooting first. lasers on my fingers or something. <laughs> first Corinthians. Actually, if you just read the portion, and just read it as a portion, First Corinthians 12 all the way through 14, That reading it as a portion makes a lot more sense when you know, you're know you not divvying up in, in chapters and things like that, you know. But yeah. but this is definitely something that God wants you know his people to have. Otherwise, he wouldn't have you know been like, wait here for 40 days and so you can get it. So obviously it's something that he wants you to have with the deal, but um, just like anything else, I kind of look at it like this: is like anything that is of God, Satan wants an imitation of, or he wants to stray you from it. Because mm-hmm. yeah, so it's kind of like you know, God the Father, for example, God's a tyrant; he's terrible; he's this, he's that, you know. So he's always going to want to attack God the Father, so you don't get close to him or whatever. Then we have Jesus. Well, you know, he wasn't, the, he wasn't the son of God. He was just a good rabbi. He was just a this. He was just a that. He was anything other than what he said he was. Okay? Anything but that. <laughs> um, and then we have the Holy Spirit. Like, well, I have spiritual experiences all the time, you know. And then after that, when I, when I, um, when I killed my ex-husband, you know, I thought that was the Holy Spirit also. So, so it's three. <laughs> so, so Satan's going to attack all three persons of the Godhead. And the misinformation that you perceived and that I received about these things is that attack just manifesting itself, which is why we're at the conversation right now. So it's kind of like, you know, have the A-B conversation with God and um, and see, you know, what it is that she's wanting you uh, uh, to have to reveal it, you know, is this something that's true or not. But like I said, it, it has to do with the long prayers, um, um, uh, nothing to do with uh, oh, my only gift of... All I get is speaking tongues. I'm not going to do that church. None of none of that. You know, um, it's it's. If anything, I mean, he ranks them. He's like the lowest one you can go is like tongues. Like the highest up you can go with is like uh, prophecy and miracles and things like that. You know, that's like the higher thing. So, you know, to put so much emphasis on, you know, I speak in tongues. You know, it's like okay, okay, I'm I'm, I'm happy for you, but it doesn't okay. really edify thing right now, you know? Okay, okay, okay. I, I, want, I want to say this about the tongues thing, you know, to the people, this is to the people who think they can speak tongues, but they, they really, sh- they, they're really not. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, right. and, and they're just, and they're just, and they're just like, and I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah, okay, that's okay, Cinderella's okay. carriage pops out. <laughs> and, and, and then, and then, uh, I'm, and it's just heresy. Heresy, get out, heresy, heresy. <laughs> right, right, and 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 that happens too. It's just like anything else. That's so. That's a corruption. That's another corruption of that. So anytime that I've spoken in tongues, does not sound like um, it's not anything to where 
I am doing it number one in public yeah. unless I know the wrong people. I'm like to do a magical boo, a bibbidi bobbidi boo. Put it together, what do you got? Okay, I'm done. So, so. Um, so there is that, you know, but it's kind of it's kind of one of the type of things where you don't throw the baby out with the bad water, you know. So if so, I always speak in tongues every once in a while, you know, or sometimes when I don't know what a person needs, I just feel my spirit. I want to pray for them. Then I will begin to speak in tongues. But the whole but sometimes when I speak in tongues, my mood will actually change. So sometimes I'll be just like pissed. <laughs> I'll be full of this righteous indignation. I'll be just very, very aggressive, you know, and things like that, you know. And then other times um, when I begin speaking tongues, you know, my heart is just like broken for that person. You know, I don't know what's going on, but my heart is broken for that person. Um, and I'm speaking in tongues. I'm speaking in passion with tongues, you know, to that person. So I'm not trying to mimic um, in terms of in, um, a, a, a rhetoric or a type of language that I've heard throughout my whole life. Like I haven't been around people who spoke a lot of tongues because I was a Baptist. I grew up a Baptist and then I went to Methodism. So you can imagine, not a whole lot There's of tongues. There's a lot of difference. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not, not a whole lot of tongues there in either the Methodist or the Baptist uh, denominations there. So it wasn't even like that. It's just like, you know, like, like it sounds like, um, to me, it sounds like, um, like almost like an African language sometimes, you know. It, it, it sounds different. It sounds like something different. But at the same time, uh, my spirit is being poured into it. And I am like all the way into that, in, into that point. But I'm, I'm typically alone when when that happens because it's like what Paul says is that, Hey, if, um, you, if someone that is not a believer walks in and sees you guys talking in tongues all at once and there's no interpreter, he's going to think you're all crazy literally. And he's going to leave. So that's why I am very selective in terms of, you know, who I speak tongues to in publicly, because I need to know that person is mature enough to actually have an interpreter and interpret what it is that I'm saying or that I myself might interpret it what someone else is saying in terms of another tongue. So that's that's just that's just the way that I handle it. So that things like what you're experiencing there, um, uh, Fallout, um, don't have to be experienced. Um, and that, you know, these things can be done in an orderly way. So, um, but I'll definitely be praying for you guys about, about that because I, it, it's just so much fun. It's so much fun to walk into a situation and know that, um, hey, this person's sick. It, it's this weird thing where, like, now you get, now when you hear someone's sick, it's like, oh, really? Great. Like, <laughs> like you don't mean to say that, but at the same time, you're like, this is an opportunity to show a miracle work of God right now. And we, and we, and we already know this is God's will because Jesus gave me the authority to do it. And therefore, I can walk into the situation knowing that it is not his will for you to be sick. It's not his will. And we need to stop coupling those things along with God's will. It's not his will for, for people to be sick. Now, he may turn something that was for that Satan meant for evil into something that's good. He, would absolutely, he can absolutely, absolutely do that, and he actually absolutely will do that. But at the same time, in terms of his will, <coughs> not his will. Why, how do we know that? Through what Jesus was doing, going around healing people, and then anointing people and authorizing people to do the exact same thing, to heal mm-hmm. every disease and so it's about going in there with your chest out and be like, "Hey, I heard you got cancer," <laughs> and um, and uh, and really and really going in and uh, and healing that. And uh, there's a guy that um, uh, one thing he couldn't do is I think is he like um, he had some kind of um cancer I think in his in his lower abdominals to where he couldn't bend over. And uh, this is not a guy who is a believer. 
You know what I mean? So, and, and, and the people that are in the group are not people who have grown up, you know, necessarily seeing the gifts actually work. So when we began to actually practice uh, healing on each other and things, and things like that, you know, and then practice on this guy, the one thing he couldn't do was he couldn't bend all the way over because he'd feel pressure and pain when that happened. And when he did that, he's like, pain's absolutely gone. That's amazing. You know? So it was an opportunity for God to step in. Now, uh, another interesting thing is that um, I think like a week later, he began to have pain in other places. And so there's another manifestation of cancer. So like, holy crap, what is that about? So, so interpreting that, we're looking at like, okay, God just healed his man of, this, of his cancer. Now that cancer is gone, but now there's something else on this other side of him that's, that's hurting him now. What's up with that? So they had to look at it as a demonic attack. So if demonic attacks make someone sick and everything, we cast that demon out and then, then that's that. So, but the whole thing was that um, that demonic force wanted to scare him so that he would not believe anymore. And this, and this resolved to be sick because when we wanted to go and pray for him again, he was like, no, 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 no. I don't want you to pray for me anymore because I don't know what's going to happen, which is fear, which is the antithesis of faith. Because you cannot act on faith if you're in fear, which is why Jesus says um, uh, how perfect love uh, casts out fear. He wasn't, attacking, he wasn't attacking hate. He was attacking fear. So when you don't have – when you don't have, we have uh, fear and that faith, you're not going to act on it. But uh, eventually God did a work because we were praying for him, and um, he was able to be uh, prayed for over again. And then, once again, he was healed, and he stayed healed because – uh, there was a better work done in terms of, you know, patching up any type of demonic attack that was going to try to attack him to to um, uh, to get him out of that zone of, um, of uh, not comfort, but that zone of believing God. So uh, this stuff right here is really, is, is spirit realm is very cognitive, very smart. <laughs> and uh, it's that type of thing where it's like, just because a person does not believe in the battle does not mean that the enemy is not going to engage you in it. So, you know, like you can go ahead and not believe me all you want to, but <laughs> if you're wondering why, you know, stuff is getting kind of crunk and crazy around you and everything is because stuff is out to kill you or kill your faith. It doesn't matter which one it is, but it, 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 it wants you very much. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, so, so it's kind of like, you know, hey, like, uh, if, um, I don't really have to go after this, but it's kind of like, you know, if, um, if Satan, if there is no plan B and we're only plan A and the only thing that's going to stand against, you know, Boogeyman and all of his, in his kingdom and everything. Boogeyman. Christian and everything, you know, that it makes sense for him to attack your face so that you don't believe so that you have, so that his kingdom stands up. Mm. That's his tax right um by the way um by the by by the by um about that uh about um <clears throat> i think it was um uh chris avalon leaving obsidian that tore me up uh i you know what? i don't even know who he is so <laughs> he's he's actually one of the uh he's actually one of the biggest people uh, on on uh, Obsidian Studios. I can't believe he left. Yeah, well, people leave to do different stuff. It happens all the time in the game industry. He did. He did. Um, he helped. Uh, he actually. Uh, he he helped 
found uh, the studio the the uh, studio in two thousand three. Uh, he's actually one of the big rigs. He's a big rig. He left. Sad face. I hope you know what he actually did so well with Fallout New Vegas. I'm hoping that he could go to Bethesda and say, "Hey, I left Obsidian. Can you ha- can can I help with Fallout Four? You know." <laughs> I don't know why he left. It doesn't really say yet. I'm no, sure it's because he got a better position somewhere else. That's usually I, why. I, no, either that, or I'm hoping he's going. You know, either that, or he's thinking of going to Bethesda and work work on Fallout Four because he enjoyed working on uh, New Vegas. Yeah, it could be anything, really. Yeah. Anyway, since this podcast has been going for about an hour and a half. Hour and 25 minutes. Yeah, I think it's about high time we uh, wrap it up. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, this has been the Theology Game Podcast. I can't really shamelessly self-promote without the people here, but I will anyway. First of all, we had Ted, who was on for about 10 minutes. (laughs) He was at uh, wildmanted.com, and he doesn't want you to follow him on Twitter, as far as I know. Then we have Justin Fox, who is making the video game re-elise. R-E-E-L-I-S-E dot com and he also runs an art blog called Elman which is spelled E-L-M-A-A-N I think that's at No Room on Tumblr I'm not sure yeah No Room No Room Fox dot Tumblr dot com just so you know okay and uh, Cody where can we find you? alright you can find me on YouTube uh, CJ all day one one three zero. You can find me on Facebook, same name. Twitter, same name. You can find me at truthsandallgaming.webs.com. I will write. Uh, I will write uh, game reviews. I will write this week in gaming history, uh, and I will write many other gaming related things. And also, you can find me on Hitbox and Twitch under the same. Name CJ all day one one three zero. Yeah, I think you might stand to get a dot com instead of a webs dot com. But <laughs> well, the thing is, uh, I I prefer free websites instead of having to pay a monthly fee for it because you know. monthly fee makes things so easy. <laughs> but financial issues, gotta uh, love them. Well, someday. Exactly. <laughs> someday. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, since we didn't talk a bunch about video games, oh well. Since last time we didn't talk anything about theology, we kind of bounced it out. Yeah. <laughs> last right. week was all about the hype train, and now it's all about God. <laughs> yeah. Then we'll, we'll see. I didn't know Justin had become so different in his theological disposition, but that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well, this has been the Theology Gaming Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the content, or if you vehemently disagreed with it, Uh, Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. It'll really help us out. And uh, please subscribe and tell your friends about it. Uh, If you would like to talk to us, we are all on the Theology Gaming University Facebook group, which is where we tend to discuss video games and theology in equal measure, and sometimes combined, and sometimes about Harry Potter fan fiction. (laughs) That was weird. (laughs) I don't know why, but... These are things that we do. We are also launching a new initiative called the Theology Gaming Network, where if you would like to contribute a piece of content to Theology Gaming, which we are trying to create as a Christian video gaming platform, that'd be much appreciated. 
just contact me at beautifulzfo at gmail.com for all of the juicy details or visit the Theology Gaming About page where it has more specific guidelines as to how to become part of the Theology Gaming Network. There's probably going to be a FAQ section on a lot of questions on what content is allowed on there. Like, for example, are Let's Plays allowed? Uh, they have to be related to Christianity and video games in some way. Okay. I, I think that's a pretty general requirement, and we'll have to view those on a case-by-case basis, but really, we're not really strict about content stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was supposed to announce this last week, but I got too wrapped up in our discussion. Anyway, this has been the Theology Gaming Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and see you later, Cody and the other two people who dropped. (laughs) (laughs) Good night. Goodbye.